Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you here. As you know, it is debate night, which is perhaps only going to be excelled by election night in terms of how frenzied all the political commentary gets around this because the first debate i think is the one that everyone really anticipates i know there are a few more and but come on come on who really cares right we all know the first debate's going to set the tone the other ones will be interesting too and the expectation is that tens of millions of americans will be watching tonight as joe biden and donald trump square off Uh, You can pretty much skip all the post-game wrap-up stuff because there's no way in this political climate anyone is going to be uh, brought to the other side by this performance. No one who has a job in media or in commentary is suddenly going to grow a conscience and think, yeah, okay, Joe Biden is a buffoon. I was wrong, right? That's never going to happen. And there's absolutely no way that anyone after four years of Trump being president and thinking that he did a good job they're going to say, OK, he was a little sloppy tonight with some uh, some facts or some parts of this debate. So I no longer support Trump. So that's not going to happen. So no one publicly is going to come away from this with a different point of view, I think, than what they came into it. I, publicly, I mean, no one in the commentariat, right? Nobody who makes a living doing this stuff. And that then leaves us with the poll I saw today was at 14 percent of likely voters they, they think are still undecided at this point. I, be, I believe it's less than that. I think that's a high number. But let's just say it's roughly one in 10. So you got about 10 percent of likely voters, people that are probably going to show up who have not yet made their minds. And once you extrapolate that 10 percent down to a state by state level, Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, Nevada, New Hampshire, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina. I mean, those are the states where you're sprinkling a a couple of hundred thousand votes in here or there that make all the difference between who wins this election and who doesn't between who is the, the victor and who is the vanquished. And so you have to remember that, because between now and the election, you're going to see Some very different things from the Democrats. We've been through now six months of what is effectively a base turnout campaign. This was the BLM movement, the the rioting, the mask mania where you got to wear a mask, not just outside, but in in the shower when you go to sleep at night. If you really care about defeating covid and if you want to hold Donald Trump responsible for not caring about covid, Uh, Those were all meant to get people who already hate Trump fired up, motivated, donating money, spreading Biden and Democrat propaganda online and to make sure that they will show up and vote when the when it's actually time to get that done. I know there's already voting going on right now. Isn't that pretty amazing? Think about it. There's early voting happening right now. But. The different campaign tone you'll see is to convince that very small slice that the Democrat Party that we saw from January to, I'd say, July or maybe even August of this year isn't really the Democrat Party. There's some other more reasonable, more centrist, more down the middle Democrat Party that we can all point to. And uh, it's a fiction. 
And that's also why Joe Biden is their candidate. It was all for this moment of, come on, blue collar Joe who rides the Amtrak and has been a, been a good old guy from Delaware for decades. Yeah, you can count on blue collar Joe. That's the fiction that they want those undecided voters to believe that Biden's just a normal, everyday guy who happens to be worth tens of millions of dollars now, of course, after only serving in public life for his whole life. But, you know, he's just just one of the guys. Biden's just one of the guys. Yeah, sure. He's not a crazy socialist. He's not going to make sure your kids are learning critical race theory in schools. Ah, now you see why he was the pick of the Democrat apparatus, and the Democrat establishment. They need someone who is essentially a fraud. They need someone who's a fake, who does not really represent the ethos, the vision, the future of the Democrat Party. They need someone who can fool people into thinking that the Democrats of today are similar to the Democrats of, I don't know, the 1960s and 70s. You know, similar to the the Kennedy, the JFK Democrat, right? They're similar to a different era of Democrat where everybody loved America. There are different ideas about what to do, but no, no. Now we have the far left Marxist lunatics pushing policies that they would have said even a few years ago were insane. I mean, this Green New Deal stuff, folks. Now, if you talk about climate change, it's not just do you believe in climate change that that had been. Uh, th- that had been the, the litmus test. That was the thing that they wanted to check and see if you had the right answer. N- not only uh, do they want to make sure, of course, you believe in climate change, but that's not nearly sufficient anymore. No, this Democrat Party today, the one that wants people who don't know any better to vote for Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, and maybe we should start putting Kamala first, this Democrat Party has a belief that you must subscribe to that climate change is an existential threat. Now, as terrible as COVID has been, you've seen the way that they have abused the powers that they have taken into their own hands here in order to lock people down, shut down businesses. And that's over something that realistically is, is a threat to a only a, a threat to a percentage of the population. And we've seen that there's a 99% plus survival rate from this disease. So less than 1% of the population is at risk of dying from COVID, realistically. And look what they've done. Look what they've done to the country. Look what they have done uh, with these lockdowns, with these draconian rules that they don't want to abide by themselves, but they want to make sure they ram it down your throat. What do you think they'll do when they're going to make the case that 100% of not just America, the world is at risk unless you listen to them. They have slid not just into a socialist ideology, but into a totalitarian ideology. They just don't have the power to enact it yet. But if they could, they would. If they could get away with mandating what you can, what you can say, you know they would. What you can, and, uh, what you can worship, what religion and religious beliefs you were allowed to hold, they would absolutely do that. Where you can gather, who you can gather with, what business you can be in, whether your business can operate, what kind of energy you use in your home, what kind of car you drive, what kind of food you eat. Go down the list. How are they not a totalitarian party at this phase? How, how, how could you argue against the Democrats as an entity now that seeks total control if they can get it. They don't have it yet. The same reason that they won't 
go after Amy Coney Barrett as some kind of secret serial rapist, it just wouldn't work. It's not that they're above it. They just couldn't pull it off is the reason that they can't or, or, or they won't yet uh, push for their full totalitarian vision because they can't get away with it. That's why you've got Joe Biden. You see, that's the whole point. They have to keep on turning the dial up slowly. Boil that uh, boil that frog slowly. Time. Don't want to go too fast. Let people know what's happened. The frog will hop out of the pot if it gets too toasty in there. You got to go slow. And Biden is essential for that plan. And that's what you will see happening right now. That's what you'll see going on and, and, and in this conversation uh, tonight and into, until Election Day. I mean, until we actually get to a place where we see what the American people have decided. They're going to be putting forward this guy, Joe Biden, and telling you things about him that are irrelevant to what the country will go through if he's elected. And that's why there's a fundamental dishonesty to the Democrat Party's project. I mean, the DNC is a fraud. It's not telling people what they're really going to get under a Biden presidency. And you even see some shades of this. You see this when he won't answer. Would you pack the Supreme Court? Would, would you support a Democrat majority Senate getting rid of the filibuster entirely. So that means that you can a 51 votes or even 50 50. If you got a Democrat like Kamala Harris as vice president, any legislation you want goes through anything. Ban assault, assault rifles nationally done. Easy. 50 votes plus the v, plus the VP or 51 votes going to add Puerto Rico and, and uh, D.C., Two senators each, very small territories to get two senators each. But I know there are other small states, but especially D.C. Now that means four Democrat senators locked in. You, you think you think they're going to do that just for fun? No, they have a plan here. They have a plan to make the Republican Party a historical uh, element in America. They, they want to make it an anachronism, a, a throwback to an earlier time. You know, it'll be there, but it'll be largely academic. You know, it'll be the opposition that never actually gets to be in power. And other countries that are democracies have this. You look to our south in Mexico, the the, uh, the PRI was the democratically elected party of Mexico for 70 years, folks. They were in power for 70 years. Democrats see that and think, why can't we do that? Why can't we accomplish something similar? And there's there's no real answer to it because they can. They can, especially if they get. Uh, the change to the filibuster, because then they're going to push through an amnesty. So you're going to get elimination of the filibuster, uh, court packing on the Supreme Court, packing the Senate with statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. Well, then Puerto Rico will have to pay income tax. Uh, And all of this is meant to structurally shift the uh, political framework in America far left. But they put Joe Biden. They didn't have the courage of their convictions to put Bernie Sanders forward. Say what you will about Bernie. And I've said a lot. At least the guy says what he is. At least he says what he is. But the Democrats know the the CNN, Hollywood, elite lib Democrats. They know mm, too tough to fool Ohioans and Floridians and, and Pennsylvanians. Too, too tough to fool them into thinking that Bernie Sanders isn't a democratic socialist who's going to ruin the healthcare system in this country and, and effectively take us closer and closer to bankruptcy at a time when we're already spending way too much money. And don't even get me started on that. 
Uh, no, it's too hard. So they're going to put forward Joe Biden, a guy that they can just create the narrative. They just they formulate the storyline and then all he has to do is show up. And that's what you're seeing now. This is the show up candidacy. Actually, not even true. This is the exist and hide candidacy. He doesn't even really show. I mean, he shows up for the debate, we think. But the rest of it has just been the bare minimum. And that's really who Biden is. Biden is the bare minimum guy. He's the guy that you can't count on for anything other than what benefits him and is safe and is obvious. There's no leadership. There's no good judgment or decision making. This guy's a a third tier intellect and a fourth tier politician who is somehow a a hair's breadth away from being the president of the United States. It's stunning, isn't it? At least the the storyline around Trump, he was an outsider. He was there to smash the system. He had different views. That was all true. That all made sense. If you thought that the cronyism, the insider deals, the the corporate interests above all else ethos of of the federal government and Washington, D.C., and the bureaucracy as well, if you thought that that was gross, bringing in Trump makes sense. You are getting what you vote for with Trump. And that's the fundamental difference with Biden. You are not getting what you vote for. They are presenting you with one thing and they're going to slip something else in as soon as they get past the process. It's all so slimy and dishonest. Just remember that as these two combatants, ideological warriors take the stage tonight and hear what people say on their respective sides afterwards. Uh, Do I think that Trump is going to give the Trumpian equivalent of the funeral oration of of Pericles for dead Athenian soldiers? No. Do I think that he's going to land some great shots on Joe Biden, who I believe has a glass jaw? I believe Joe Biden is a, a truly weak candidate. And all you have to do is expose these frauds, these obvious shortcomings I'm talking about. And it's going to be a whole different ballgame for Joe Biden. Um, I, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I, I do believe that both sides will get their fair share of uh, challenging questions. I mean, this is Chris Wallace has built a brand on this, right, that he will not bend. He will do whatever he thinks is most journalistically appropriate. So let's see tonight. And I'll be very honest if he's. I always give credit where it's due. If Chris Wallace is legit, if he pushes Trump, but he also pushes Biden, I'm going to come back and say that. And, and I think that there's a good chance that that will be the case. But it's really going to come down to Trump to corner Biden and just show what a shallow, vain fraud this guy is. A total fraud. People always talk about Trump and his businesses and this, and he exaggerates, he's a salesman. Yeah, but the people who voted for Trump got exactly what they thought they were voting for. And there is a fundamental dishonesty in Joe Biden and the Biden campaign that they're presenting him as a centrist, moderate Democrat from, you know, circa 1985, because the guy's been in politics longer than that. And what you really have is a placeholder for Kamala Harris to be the mouthpiece for AOC and Bernie Sanders agenda and all the rest of it. That's what will actually happen. And the battle is really over whether we can convince enough Americans of that underlying truth about this election. Tonight's debate will be at least one big piece in that puzzle. 
Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. What's one of the fastest ways to get CNN upset with you? Well, of course, making fun of CNN. I I believe I'm actually officially banned from their air and banned from their building, which uh, is a badge of honor. But if you call out the even more elite and celebrated liberal outlets uh, like the New York Times, CNN is very upset about this. And here you have uh, a CNN anchor (laughs) who gets very testy with my friend, Deputy White House Press Secretary Brian Morgenstern, when he calls out the New York Times for this story on Trump's taxes that just happened to break just happened to break right before the first debate. Oh, oh, almost like this might have been planned. Play 20. But th- so, this is a story that was, it's another version of it from four years ago on it's the not. eve of a debate coordinated with the yeah. Democrats as a political Let's, hit. Okay, that's, Brian, I'm just going to stop you there. These okay. are remarkable reporters from the New York Times who went through 20 years of documents. It is not okay for you to accuse them with no facts of coordinating with the Democratic Party. Copy that. Please stop doing that or this interview will end. Brian, stop attacking the press. I have not seen you do that largely before. Stop doing that. I'm asking you direct questions. You can put the entire thing to bed if the president would release the records and show the American people what he says is true. So this is the, the game that the libs play. There's no evidence for what you're saying. Right. The evidence is not being a moron. We, we think that the Biden campaign just happened to have ads ready to go the same day the New York Times dropped the story. Does anyone really believe the New York Times wasn't in contact, that there weren't reporters in contact with the Biden campaign about this story? I mean, you know, but see, this is what they do. They, they pretend to be dumb when it suits them, and they're just dumb enough that a lot of people do believe it, even when they're intentionally, when they're feigning stupidity. Your average CNN anchor is dumb enough that it's always somewhat credible. Their dumbness is always believable at some level. But here I think it, it, strains, it strains credulity. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. The, the attack story just happened to come out right before the first debate. It's not like it's not like the New York Times is holding it and holding it and holding it and coordinating and everything else. Now, why is this so important to them? Why is the tax story something that most people that read it were like, okay, so what? Not illegal. He's doing what the tax code says he can do. Is he supposed to give more money to the government? Is that is that really the belief? You're supposed if you know that you can legally give less money to the government. You're really going to give more money to the federal government? I, I just I find that very, very hard for anyone to say with a straight face. But that does seem to be the claim that is made here. That the president should have paid even even more in taxes than he did. And nah, I just think that's bad. I think that's uh, that's silly. It's, that's unserious stuff. Why are they releasing this right before this debate tonight? Because of the, the positioning here. And remember, it's dumb 
But my friends, if you're listening to this show, you already are discerning and have I'm just going to say it. You have good taste in what is true and political commentary and you appreciate arguments that make sense. And I know that's self-serving, but that's also accurate. That's just reality. So if you listen to the show, you're already in that place. You have to remember the Biden campaign. They're not trying to reach you folks. You're not they're trying to reach Team Buck and conservatives and independents that listen to this show all across the country. I think I even have some Democrat hate listeners, but that's okay. They, they hate the show so much, but they have to listen. They're trying to reach people that, and I, I'm not putting them down. They just have an unsophisticated understanding of politics because they got jobs that they have to do and, you know, stresses and family stuff and things that, you know, they're not in the habit of reading the newspaper every day, so to speak, you know, whether it's online or watching uh, different channels. They're not in the habit of doing that. They just want to live their lives in peace. And like I said, I'm not putting down independent voters or swing voters at all. But I'm just saying that they may not have as sophisticated an understanding of the Democrat propaganda machine, because I think if they did, they would know you can't vote for this. You can't vote for this Democrat candidate. And so that's who they're trying to fool with this blue collar Joe nonsense. Remember, Biden's line, what was it, a week or two ago, was that he's the guy from Scranton and that this is Scranton versus Park Avenue. Right. Park Avenue being one of the most expensive streets in New York City in what I believe on a per capita basis is the wealthiest zip code in the United States. And certainly one of them, the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And he's essentially saying that this is about just good old, you know, Main Street America versus super rich plutocrat America on Park Avenue. Now, this is amazing because it's the exact opposite of the truth. I mean, in in general, but also in the specifics here of the analogy that he makes or in the specifics of this comparison, Joe Biden has received eight to one dollar donations from residents of one zero zero two one, the Upper East Side of Manhattan. You know, it's like Beverly Hills, nine oh two and oh one one zero zero two one is the equivalent of that Beverly Hills, nine oh two and oh show. Right. It's super expensive, fancy, a lot of rich people. Eight to one by. So it's not even close. Right. I mean, so if you're going to cite Park Avenue, shouldn't it matter that that overwhelmingly there's a there's one candidate who is the candidate of Park Avenue and it is Joe Biden. It is not Donald Trump and Joe Biden's whole. I'm just a guy from Scranton. He lives in a twenty thousand dollar a month mansion, folks. Okay, Joe Biden is a rich, rich man and he became rich by peddling influence and having other people trade off of his name and have him sign his name to books and things like that, that he did nothing to write or, you know, that's how Joe Biden got. He got rich in public service. He's never run a company, never worked in the private sector. He has become he is a lifelong politician who is worth tens of millions of dollars. Lifelong politician, never done anything else. Okay, ever since he ran for office, that's been it. Over 40 years. This guy has been receiving a paycheck from the American taxpayer. Now he's worth tens of millions of dollars and he's going to claim that he's the guy from Main Street. You know, when he rides the Amtrak, folks, they clear out a car for him and there was like a Secret Service detail for all those years of the the Obama administration. And, you know, riding the Acela from Delaware to D.C. is a very uh, high end thing. It's, It's about as expensive as flying. This is. It's not like he was a guy riding the bus. 
It's fancy. So that whole thing about, oh, he's just a guy on Amtrak. They made it sound like Joe Biden sitting there in overalls with a lunch pail. Oh, I'm just going to D.C. No. Joe Biden was busy on his cell phone with all of his staffers taking phone calls from his billionaire backers in the Democrat Party. From the credit card companies that have been allowed really just legalized usury, right, legalized extortion with these 29 percent APR and moving around. The the stuff that if you look at what credit card companies have done in the last 20 years, it's disgusting what they've gotten away with because of people like Joe Biden. Special carve outs about bankruptcy doesn't doesn't uh, erase your credit card debt. Right. All this stuff. Joe Biden was that guy. That's who he has been. And if you're going to talk about the taxes, then I think we should also have a conversation about what did Joe Biden do when it came to taxes? Wall Street Journal has a piece on how Biden uh, and Jill Biden created an S-corp, an S-corporation loophole for themselves. The Obama administration actually wanted to get rid of this loophole. But the Bidens were able to take the money they made from book sales and speeches, millions and millions of dollars. Then understand this. Joe Biden's this is the Hillary Clinton maneuver too. Joe Biden's book and speeches were only valuable insofar as he might have, you know, he was planning to run for office again. And so it's really a way of buying access. Right. If you're a big publisher, you got to give Joe a lot of money now, because then when he's president, you know, you're going to be in the bidding for his memoir afterwards and. You're going to have uh, you know, you're going to have connections to people in the White House and access selling is what Joe Biden has excelled at. And I mean, giving these speeches, I mean, who really wants to hear Joe Biden give a speech? Think about that. But remember, they they went through the Clinton administration, I mean, rather the Clinton Foundation uh, would have people that would donate to it. And then they would also be encouraged to pay. You know, Hillary, 250 grand for a speech. I got to tell you, I, I sometimes give paid speeches. If you ever want me to come give a paid speech in your town, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com, just say speech in the uh, subject line. I gave one in North Carolina recently. It was fantastic. Uh, do a great job. Everyone has a really fun time. I stay around after the speech, drink with everybody, hang out. Uh, but I don't make 250 grand for a speech. That was Hillary Clinton money. And Bill Clinton, as we know, made 500, 600 grand. I think the highest ever was 800. Which is this is all just selling influence, friends. So anyway, so Biden's making millions of dollars, but he sets up an S corporation, which allowed him to avoid the three point eight percent self-employment tax that they would have received if they were compensated directly. And that avoided as much as a half a million dollars in taxes. The Wall Street Journal quotes a a tax expert who says there's no reason for these to be in an S corp, none other than to save on self-employment tax. So the Bidens set up for their millions of dollars they were receiving for, again, a book he didn't write and speeches other people write for him that he just gets to read and then go home afterwards. You make a million. This is like the easiest money you can make. Other people writing your books for you, other people writing your speeches for you. Hey, you know, this is and cashing in on your political brand. That's all this is. But they wanted to make sure they kept every penny they could legally. Half a million dollars of taxes, taxes to pay for people's you know, Social Security and Medicare. And people say, oh, that's not the specific tax, but money's fungible. Goes to roads and bridges and schools, you know, whatever, right? Whatever it may be. Half a million dollars uh, that they have by just a, a trick, really, an accounting trick. 
is why accountants are so valuable still and get paid very well. So I just want to know. I mean, the average person, the average earner will have paid $209,000 over their entire lifetime in Medicare taxes. Your average worker will pay $209,000 in taxes. The Bidens avoided in one year double that amount just by creating an S corporation on their earnings. That's all. In one year. Oh, you mean they were avoiding taxes? Yeah, which is what everybody does, which is what all wealthy people do, which is also why these rules uh, and these these tax code breaks, it's all just gaming the system, folks. That's why the the people that are fighting a one page tax code, the people that are fighting a, a tax law that everyone could understand would be applicable to everybody. No more nonsense, no more social engineering. They're the most powerful people in the country, which is why we could have the absurdity of a 70,000 plus page tax code, because the most powerful corporations and individuals, wealthiest individuals in America don't want this to change. They don't want this to change. They want all these different ways to advantage themselves while also talking about how much they care about the poor. That's the game that the billionaires play on in both political parties. And it's the reason why this never changes. So let's have an honest conversation about it. Let's not allow the Bidens to continue to just she's just such a fraud. The whole thing is such BS. Oh, and then there's the the John Kerry situation that I mentioned to you. Let me get into that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the best of Buck daily podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton show. She's back, everybody. Megan Kelly, the one and only. You certainly know her from her time at Fox News. And she's got a new show out now, a podcast, The Megan Kelly Show, which you can all download wherever you listen to podcasts. Right now, it's number two on the iTunes news charts, making a lot of noise already. Fantastic stuff. Megan, thank you so much for joining. Hey, thank you for having me. I, I noticed here's one thing we have to fix. Apparently, I'm behind Hillary Clinton, which, please, we cannot... We cannot let that stand. No, that is that is un, that is God, unacceptable. Plus, there. Hillary's really good at good Hillary's really good at second place. So <laughs> you want to make sure that you beat <laughs> yeah, Hillary. That's really her, whether it's first. whether it's Obama or Trump. Hillary likes to come in second. So tell us uh, what you see right oh. now in the scene. I mean, we're, we're fortunate that we've got you joining us with the debate coming up. And in fact, people will be hearing the debate just a little bit after they hear this interview, or they'll be watching the debate, I should say. Someone will watch it. I mean, listen on radio. But what are you expecting tonight? Um, theatrics, right? I think Trump, if there's one thing he knows how to do, it's, it's keep television interesting. He's the master at it. And the, one of the biggest things that I gleaned from that New York Times report on his taxes was the guy was struggling financially with all of his investments and his properties. It wasn't until... He got this, The Apprentice and made over $400 million doing that thing. And why is that? It's because whatever you have to say about Trump, that he's bad at television, is not one of the things. So I think it'll be compelling, right? This is, this is, this is not like a debate between Biden and Mitt Romney. This is, it's going to be on. I think Trump will try to stoke Biden's anger. Uh, I don't think there's a way of trying him to have a, get him to have a senior moment. You know, like you could give him like a riddle. <laughs> you really wanted to be mean. You go to your kid's brain teaser book, Let's see how he does. Um, and I think if Trump can make it through the COVID section of the night without getting too beat up, he'll do OK. Do you think that Biden's going to be able to evade on the following two issues that I'm going to bet? 
I mean, look, it would be malpractice if Trump didn't go after him on these in these two areas. One is the Democrat Party's really open support of I, I know that they try to parse this, but support of the BLM movement that has led to a lot of riots over the summer. They can say that there was mostly peaceful stuff going on, too, but the riots are what we all remember. Uh, do you think that he can corner him on that one? And also, do you think he can force Biden, whether it's Chris Wallace or or Trump, to answer the question about whether he's going to pack the Supreme Court? I, I think that that's a completely valid question. Yes, I think I think Wallace is going to ask that. I think Wallace, the way you do it at, at a debate as a moderator is you pack into the question the candidate's previous attempts to dodge. So you'd say something like, you know, Vice President Biden, I understand that you said you're not going to play that game. And that's Trump's game when it comes to whether you'll pack the Supreme Court. But the fact remains that some people within the Democratic Party and some well-known intellectuals within the party are pushing hard for that to be your very first move. Will you tell this audience sitting at home right now trying to decide whether to vote for you based on this issue, whether that is on the table and something you might be prepared to do? And as soon as he started to wobble, I would jump in and say, so no. You're not answering the question. Just let's make clear. You're not going to answer. Where were you? And for everyone, we're speaking to Megan Kelly. She's got a new show out podcast, The Megan Kelly Show, which you can download wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, please give it a rating because it's brand new. So you should tell other folks out there what you think about it. Um, obviously, fantastic. But Megan, I got to admit one thing that I've I like to tell the audience about how I'm, I'm right about most of the big stuff. Of course. Right. I'm a radio host. So I do that a lot. <laughs> But one area, I mean, you got it. But one area where I have to admit I was wrong was from the beginning. I was just saying there's no way Biden's actually going to. I mean, at the beginning of the primary, right? Was, there's no way Biden's actually going to be the candidate. And now we're seeing all of the, you know, the, the lids being called on the campaign day after day. I think eight of them or 10 of them in September already. This, this senior moments, I think, to charitably call them. All the reasons some of us thought that he would not end up as the candidate is, is this a surprising circumstance that, that Joe Biden's even in this debate tonight? Or have you just made peace with that and said, OK, this is what we got? Look, I think the mainstream Democratic Party is not nearly as far left as the AOC wing of it. And her wing is not big enough yet to control the nomination process. And let's not forget the press. The press killed Bernie Sanders. You know, the, the left wing press, which is redundant, um, decided there was no way they were going with Bernie, that he couldn't beat Trump. And they got rid of Bernie. And I think that's why the Bernie Sanders supporters are so irritated because they saw the media do it. They're biased towards the right and they're biased towards the, the left wing of their own party. So they got what they wanted, which is Joe Biden, who they thought was pretty moderate. And now they're trying to just keep the guy upright just so they can get him across the finish line on November 3rd. I mean, I, it's very obvious to me that the, the, mo the most Democrats are out there like, just you know, it's the same thing with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, they really just wanted to get her to January. It's with Biden. It's like, just say very little. Just don't don't have a lot of those moments before November 3rd. When you get to November 4th, you can do whatever intelligence test or memory test or whatever you want to do. But just keep, keep quiet between now and then. Yeah. And which I, is why tonight's going to be so interesting. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think that if the Democrats end up losing with Biden as their nominee, they have nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, they had a field of about 20 candidates. And they went with the guy that a lot of us, I mean, I admitted I was one of them. A lot of us were saying, there's just no way he's too old. He's lost so many presidential uh, elections in the past or presidential campaigns. He didn't even get to the, the general. And, and it's the same thing with the Ruth Bader Ginsburg situation. A lot of very intelligent people, including Democrats, were saying during the Obama years, hey, guys, 
I know you all love her push-up routines and her amazing, you know, uh, stuff that she does in the gym and all this and the RBG action figures. Those are all real things, as you remember. But really, it would be better for the Democrats if we put somebody who had a longer and they didn't do it. And, you know, elections have consequences. Decisions have consequences. I think the decision to put Joe Biden forward and the decision to have RBG could end up being really very uh, sad stories for the Democrats in the long run when they look at what actually ends up happening from this. But, Megan, I, I want to ask you, you're back now. What do you want to do? I mean, you were somebody who you had a, a primetime show at Fox. You had a, a you know, a, a national show at, N- at NBC. Now you've started your own podcast. It's obviously getting a lot of listens already. What's the Megan Kelly show all about now? It's about free speech to begin with. It's about being able to say what you want freely and openly about any idea, any new subject, there, there are no golden cows, right? Like, we're going to talk about all the issues, the third rails of our national discussion, and we're going to do it freely and openly and honestly. And we may not always agree, my guest and I, but no one's going to get penalized by not being able to say something, say something. That I'm so upset about what's happening in our country now where there's a segment of the, of the podcast that we're doing that, that I, I call, you can't say that or do that or think that oh, wait, this is America, you know, and and to some extent, that's really what got me off of my couch, you know, because I was having a lovely time off. And the thing that really started to irritate me was how many people were getting fired for saying one, quote, wrong thing, and number of teenagers who are getting kicked out of colleges for having the wrong thought or having a stupid moment. And I really, I think those of us who have the ability to create a, a forum where ideas can be discussed openly and honestly without fear of cancellation or the mob coming. Maybe they'll come, but they'll have no power. The more of us should do it because it's time to start fighting back against, you know, even the people who will never criticize Trump. They need to understand sometimes it's worth criticizing him. You need to understand what he does when it's when it's genuinely bad versus when the mainstream media is constantly telling you it's bad. And we need somebody to fight back against those woke scolds who has a platform and and who can get guests who will come on who you know maybe won't go on some of the other shows all right sounds good to me megan good luck to you thank you so much for joining us everybody should go check out the megan kelly show it's in the apple podcast store or wherever you listen to podcasts the uh, various platforms that folks like out there and also make sure you give it a rating megan thank you so much for joining and great to see you thank you sir good to see you all the best thanks for listening to the best of buck daily podcast For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. You've probably noticed that the left has a habit of doing something when it comes to these big political and and social debates that are out there. They will say, oh, that's a straw man. They will claim that no one's really advocating for the following thing. And then as soon as they're in a position to make that thing happen, they do it. Right. And this this is a a continuing incrementalism rooted in in dishonesty in the public discourse that the left engages in. Uh, Transgender rights is a perfect example of this. Ten years ago, talking about whether men should be able to use women's bathrooms and public accommodations, biological men using biological women's accommodations. That was a straw man. We were told that was uh, absurd. Now it's a civil rights issue. Now it's, oh, my gosh, you know, and and with this uh, new LGBTQ ruling in the Supreme Court, uh, gender identity is is now 
protected. Right? There's now this protection for gender identity. So you say, okay, how is this going to work? And now there's going to be lots of lawsuits that come from that. Gorsuch wrongly decided this one. I would note that not even, you know, you, you can't even count on constitutional, so-called constitutionalists to, yeah, all of a sudden transgender rights is a thing in the Constitution because, I don't know, I'm pretty sure that the founders didn't, didn't have that in mind. I'm pretty sure that the Congress legislation uh, that, that doesn't mention this didn't have it in mind. But anyway. Another area I would say, and you would try to show the inherent wrongness and even absurdity of some of these left wing positions. You'd bring up things like, uh, what about sports? Should biological men be able to compete in women's sports? And 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, well, no, 10 years ago, they would have said, that's a straw man, Buck. No one's arguing for that. No, they are. No, not now it's standard. You know, now you have biological males who are competing in women's sports, and this creates all kinds of of issues, including, I I even brought up uh, uh, combat sports, including things like uh, MMA, boxing, biological males. And I would, again, I've gone through these uh, these examples and said, wouldn't we all, couldn't we all agree that if you have XY chromosomes, if you're a biological male fighting women as a means of making income for yourself in, in, in a sports setting, there's something wrong with that. Now you're not allowed to say that, at least on the woke left. Ten years ago, it was, oh, no, come on, Buck. No one's saying that. You're noticing a pattern, right? Well, I just want to add to this the most, uh, the most recent example of this, where, where what was the extreme, what was the thing that we could point to to say, hold on, you guys, what about this? We can all agree that's crazy, right? Now it's not. Now they've... Uh, changed their mind now they've decided that the thing that some of us were warning was at the bottom of the slippery slope is where we are and their pretense that that wasn't going to happen was just a tactic it was dishonest and the the example i have in mind here is in california now uh, they're going to start gavin newsom who's one of these climate changes and existential threat guys of course he just signed a bill that says that prison inmates can petition to be housed under their gender identity instead of their biological sex. We've re- we've really gone there now. So now we have 12-year-olds who are 12-year-olds with with male organs can uh think they are female and then be and then demand access to the 12-year-old girls locker rooms and changing and everything else. And no one's allowed to have a problem with that. Uh you have men are uh, allowed to fight women or biological men, you know, I don't know what we're supposed to, trans women, what, I don't even know what the terminology is that they think we're supposed to use because they change it all the time. And now we've reached the point where, yeah, that's right. If you're facing a, a life sentence, uh, would you rather be a 200-pound, six-foot-tall guy in a male prison where you're going to have a lot of very dangerous and frightening people around you, or would you rather be a 200-pound male who has a gender identity that he claims is female and now in a female prison under California law. Now, they can deny it, they say, based on safety concerns. So what they're going to do is leave this loophole so that they can stop the most obvious and, and egregious uh, exploitation of this. But it's clearly going to be exploited. Now you're going to have biological. And, and, oh, and it's not based on you don't have to have had the transition surgery. No, it's all gender identity. It's all psychological. It's all in your head telling you this much if you're if you're a male and you've 
you've got yourself a, you know, a life sentence at uh, San Quentin Prison. I think you'd rather get transferred to an all the all either the all women's wing. I don't know if they have that there or a, a woman's prison in general. Be a lot safer. Among other things. So, yeah, that's now where we are with uh, with with trans rights in America. And I just note that this is this is the, the game that the left continues to play. This is how pro- progressives always cloak their real intentions when they whenever they run against any resistance from the the mass of the American people, they cloak their real intentions in the in the incrementalism that we see. And that's I'm thinking about this one because of these news stories like Gavin Newsom just signing this in California, signing this bill. But also this is what you this is really the the uh, approach of the Democrat Party wholesale. This is what they do. Right? They say, we just want this thing. And you say, well, hold on a second. If you're if you're abandoning a certain principle to get that one objective, wouldn't you also want to do the following things that the American people would not be acceptable uh, accepting of? would not agree with, would not want legislation passed to support. They say, no, that's that's a lie. We're, we don't want those things. We just want this thing. You'll see it with countless issues. You'll see it with all the climate change stuff. Oh, we're, we're not going to institute punitive measures in the economy to make sure that people No, they will. Right now it's subsidies. But when the subsidies aren't enough for green energy stuff, then they move to punishing people that make bad decisions. Oh, another one in California. They're going to get rid of of all non-electric cars, I think they said by 2035 was the not not allowed to have a non-electric car in California. Friends, they can make you wear a mask and we all just do it. And we all just go along like sheep outside wearing our masks. They can make you do a lot of things. And that's what's happening now. We are entering a period of of not just centralization of power, but centralization and, and utilization with the help of digital technology and the ability of bureaucrats to monitor and have the dissemination of policy that's instantaneous, as well as the monitoring of individual compliance with those policies. We are closer to a turnkey authoritarian state than we realize in this country. The only thing that stops it from happening is the, the will and the mindset of the American people. But our, our Democrat fellow Americans increasingly embrace this stuff. They have no problem with it. They see no issue with it. So I, I want to note that and another thing, just a, a news story that I wanted to sometimes I get so caught up in the political debate of the day and the, and the philosophy around it and behind it that I don't get into some of these news stories. I, we do have the uh, Project Veritas. I think we're going to have James O'Keefe on tomorrow. We had a, I had a scheduling. We have so many big guests. We have, you know, Megan and Hogan and Dinesh and Senator Cruz. We got so many big guests that we, we got to move things around sometimes. So yesterday we're going to do it. But then I had to move a guest during the show. Anyway, we're going to talk about what happened in with Project Veritas, what they've shown in uh, Minneapolis with the largely Somali uh, based diaspora community in in Minneapolis and the voting. Look, ballot harvesting and vote cheating, essentially election fraud. That's what they seem to have unearthed. And you have to remember, you go back. I mean, there have been some some big sting journalism that's been done. You know, undercover journalism, including by Project Veritas, among other groups, that has really hurt the Democrats. I mean, this this stuff, there's a reason why the uh, media always closes ranks against this kind of journalism when it targets Democrats, because they know even though the Democrat media 
undermines the very premise of their jobs and what they claim to be doing with this stuff. They also know that they got to protect they got to protect their fellow lives here. I mean, if the American people are actually exposed to the truth of ACORN, remember that one or Planned Parenthood, remember that one? Or, you know, you go down this list, uh, they might feel very differently about some of these organizations, some of these community organizer outfits and also a Democrat party that supports all of them. So we're hoping to have James on tomorrow. Uh, the other story that that caught my attention, just news story. And it's uh, I have a different takeaway from it than a lot of other people. Brad Parscale. Uh, he is the former Trump campaign manager, so he had a big job. And I don't know the guy. I don't know anything really about him. I mean, I know some things about him, but I've never met him. I have no personal relationship with him. He uh, was arrested. There are allegations of of uh, threats of self-harm, that he was going to commit suicide. Daily Mail today says he's under investigation for stealing out of money. I, I don't know. I, I've had no interaction with the Trump campaign on any of this stuff, and I haven't even been able to really talk to any of my sources about it. And they probably honestly won't say very much because this is some sensitive stuff. Uh, but Parscale obviously had a bad day, got arrested. I mean, bad day is putting it mildly, but he got arrested. What I thought was so interesting was that he is on body cam footage and he's standing outside his home in Florida. He is wearing like jean shorts, but he's shirtless, you know, Florida. And uh, the police say, get on the ground, get on the ground. But they say it twice to him while an officer is moving toward him to tackle him. And I can say that watching that video, I'm thinking this guy is posed. He hasn't wrestled anybody. He hasn't resisted arrest. He hasn't pulled his hands away. He's just standing there talking to the officers, just talking to them. And all of a sudden, an officer's like, get on the ground, get on the ground. And I mean, there's about a two second pause before he's just straight up NFL style linebacker tackled. He's shirtless on the cement. I mean, just throws him right down now. Brad Parscale is obviously startled by this and says, I didn't do anything, but he allows the officer to put his hands behind his back, put the cuffs on him and, and arrest him. And in a sense that there's the, the happy ending such as it is to the story is cops didn't have to taser him. Cops didn't have to pull their weapons on him. So they tackled his butt right to the ground. And I, you know, and I, I, I've seen there's some people I really respect out there in social media who say that under the circumstances, this is a legitimate use of police tactics. It's borderline. I, mean, I think it's borderline. Uh, I think under the circumstances. Now, he wasn't severely injured. They didn't pull their guns. It's also a lesser issue. But I can I can see that this there sometimes are gray areas. But my point with the Brad Parscale takedown, and I'm not even getting into all the campaign stuff. I, I don't know enough about that. Honestly, I don't care. It doesn't run the campaign anymore. And if he stole money, you know, he should pay the price for that. If he didn't, people shouldn't be lying about him. And, and the guy's obviously having a tough time. I, I don't like to ever. And this is true with Democrats. It's true with the left. And Parscale is supposed to be on our team. He's a Republican pro Trump, obviously. Uh, but I don't like to joyride in the wreckage of other people's lives. I think that that's gross. And this guy is obviously going through a very difficult circumstance. And like I said, I have no personal. I've never met him. So uh, I just see this and I feel badly for the, anyone who's threatening suicide. You feel badly for the guy. If he was, in fact, threatening suicide, we've got to see what the facts are. But I just look at this from the perspective of somebody that all summer 
one of the things I kept seeing in the media pushed all the time. You know, I tell you, talked to you about the fundamental lie of Black Lives Matter is that black men are being hunted by police without consequence out of racism systematically um, or systemically. Both, you could argue. And that that's a lie. There's another thing that you would hear. This was kind of the secondary lie behind that, that if so and so was white, this wouldn't have happened. And I think that the Parscale takedown, here you have a famous Trump supporting white millionaire who is, to my eyes, not a threat when he's taken down to anybody. He's not, you know, they could have said, sir, put your hands behind your back. They said, get on the ground, which I would, would unsettle me a little bit for a second, too. What do you mean, get on the ground? And no one's even, they could have said, sir, you're under arrest, put your hands behind your back. And then if you won't, but they went with get on the ground. Okay. Uh, and I understand procedurally, they heard there were weapons there. And look, they, but the point here is that they, the cops often rough people up, including white males. And usually they're doing so appropriately. Usually when they use force, cops are correct. Not always. And, you know, it happens to people all the time. And that's not a justification. It's just a let's live in reality, folks. Okay. If Brad Parscale can get suplexed on the pavement outside of his own home when he's shirtless. What, they thought he had a gun hiding in his tiny jean shorts? I mean, maybe, but unlikely. Guy's shirtless. He's talking to them. He hasn't attacked anyone. And he gets, you know, it looks like uh, looks like they're using him as a tackling dummy. And my point here is just, you know why it didn't result in tasers and gun? Because he did not resist arrest. And there's a lesson here. When the cops are saying you're under arrest, you're coming with us, you have to comply. You don't get to talk about a history of systemic this or that. No, 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 no. You have to comply. If there's excessive force, you take that up in the courts. You you don't get to just say, I'm sorry, I'm going to see if I'm stronger than this cop now because I don't want to get arrested today. That leads to tragic outcomes. That leads to very bad things for the cops and for the individual being arrested. There's a lesson here. Here you have a super rich and, and well-known. He's down in Florida. He runs the Trump campaign. Uh, white guy who, I mean, they, they really threw his, they threw his butt on the ground. It was harsh. And I wasn't necessary. Eh. But the bigger takeaway that I have is he didn't fight them. He allowed them to cuff him and, and everything was fine. If we look at all these BLM cases we have seen, how many of them involve somebody who resists arrest, fights the cops, pulls their hands away, doesn't obey commands, you know, pulls at their taser, goes for their gun. There's a difference here, folks. There's a lesson. And it's a lesson that we would all be better off if people would just be honest about it. Don't fight the cops during an arrest. 